Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody. On this episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, I'm going to chat with Sarah Giosi. Sarah is a mother of two boys, ages two and three. Uh, We are going to go in a little detail about those boys. And she is a full-time gym owner by circumstance. And that's really why I want you to listen to this. It's not about being a gym owner. It's by the circumstances surrounding her full-time ownership of circumstances. You definitely want to hang on This is a life lesson for families, for men, for mothers uh, that you absolutely must listen to. But before we get started, as a man who desires to live up to his full potential as a father, husband, and leader, you need a tribe that will challenge you and help you grow. If you haven't joined the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Facebook group yet, be sure to hop on Facebook and search the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Join the most... Whoa. Wow. Cut that, folks. Join the most valuable group online for fathers where you can get practical and tactical advice and support to be the father, husband, and leader you are destined to be. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. Woo, I struggled through that reading. So I, I'm, I'm totally honest about it. That was, that was rough. Um, <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Good. I am, um, as you know, a little over the moon to have you as a guest. And when you reached out to me a couple of weeks ago, uh, you actually reached out to me, asked if I wanted to be on your podcast. And my, I, you know, you're like, just ignore if it's not. And I'm like, oh my gosh, jumping out of my skin. I'd love to talk to Sarah again. Um, so I was, like I said, over the moon, but not only that, the gift got better and we have you here on the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. And so, uh, for those who recognize the name Giosi, we've had Sarah's past husband, um, Jeff Giosi, on the podcast previously. It is uh, my most cherished interview I've ever done and probably always will be. And I'm going to get choked up. And I know Sarah's way past this. But, um, so Sarah, if you would just kind of like, uh, let me open with that. It's, it's, it's deep, but I want the listeners to know, you know what we're talking about here. Yeah. I, I call this part the elephant in the room part, where we, we have to it. get this part out. Um, so yes, Jeff Giosi, one of the fittest men in the world. I bring that up because he died very suddenly of an aortic aneurysm, a thoracic aortic aneurysm. Um, he was actually working out and um, just dropped. And that was it. And um, it was nothing to do with fitness. If actually, if anything, I've talked to some surgeons and they believe that his fitness journey is what kept us, allowed us to keep him for as long as we did, which is such a blessing. Um, but it was just a genetic, a rare genetic disorder. We could have not known that he had it. Um, he had some family history, so there was always a potential, but we certainly did not expect this. He was 40. And um, yeah, our anniversary was just on Sunday, actually. Oh, man. 
So, yeah, and it was our iron anniversary. And it's one of those, I had a friend describe it this way. Um, it, It was almost like, what a special anniversary whenever it comes to knowing that you need some strength. Um, having that iron anniversary be the first without him was in its own way, kind of it's, it's a special nod to him. So, yeah. Yeah. You guys have, um, you have an amazing circle of people around, uh, around you. I've had the opportunity to, and one of my other hallmark interviews with, was with your brother, uh, uh, Sean and, uh, Sean Rowan, for those of you that want to go back. So there's two podcasts prior to this one. You need to finish listening to this one. Then you go back and listen to Jeff Giosi. And then you need to listen to his brother-in-law and Sarah's brother, Sean Rowan. Uh, absolute uh, kind of just amazing bookmarks in this, uh, inter- this world of interviewing that I've engaged in. So he suddenly passes away. I, I knew Jeff through a business connection and... Um, he was easy to follow. He was easy to believe in. I remember he would, he, I'd message him from the very beginning and he talked to me about his podcast with you. And I was immediately impressed just by the way he explained it. I said, uh, I, th- I think I messaged him something like, I think we're going to get along really well. And, um, and then it just began from there. He was a really great communicator. And um, right before he passed, I'd, I'd interviewed him twice. Uh, the, the interview for this podcast was, he talked about how he wanted to die, which was just mm. incredible. Uh, he talked a lot about legacy and some things that I really, really believe in. And then, um, and then just, I had, I had interviewed him for some other things, but he was so super fit. He was qualifying for co- in competitions and he was just doing phenomenal at that point. Fitness wise. Yeah. 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 So it was a shock, certainly, to say the least. Yeah. Um, and I actually d- described this in a little speech I gave during his memorial. Um, it it was a shock, um, but a lot of people thought that I was actually in shock. <laughs> um, I actually got like like they they checked me out at the hospital a couple times and everything. And I kept saying, I'm telling you, I'm not in shock. I don't know how to explain this to you. Um, But I just, I don't know. It's funny how you can have such a shocking, world-shaking experience. Um, But I, and and I keep calling it courageous peace. Just like the second I was told what happened, I went into almost the training, right? The training that we've done and immediately went into, all right, this is the situation and this is how I want to deal with it. This is how I think Jeff would want this dealt with. And I just kind of went from there. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff had, um, a saying that he loved and, uh, would, would do with his friends and, or, you know, shared with his friends. I think he also had it on most of the, um, clothing that he designed. And I believe that was a more far thought. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And it, yes, he, he had it, he used that regularly on various things. Yeah. yeah. Um, which again, how comforting, <laughs> what a nice little piece, a little, I, I call those fist bumps from God. Right. <laughs> yeah. And if, for those of you who don't know, that means for um, love of fate. So it's, it's kind of like a stoic, um, I think Greek uh, uh, saying, yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, just kind of embrace whatever is coming your way. And um, that's the way Jeff lived. 
So we have a lot to talk about today, not just the past, but also what's going on now. Um, you're raising two little boys, single mom. And, uh, you, you know, what's happened since his passing, you know, you guys co-owned a gym and you were working in radio. So kind of walk us through what life's been like. Yeah. Well, truly overnight, my entire world changed and, and we can talk about this. I came up with some, you know, piggybacking off of what Jeff talked about in regards to how to build a legacy as a husband and father, I, I came up with some things that stand out to me of Jeff and now the legacy he's left and why. Um, but a piece of it is certainly that, you know, some people in a situation like this would lose a spouse. Um, and, and honestly, it's sad, but some people would be relieved or it would almost be a, a pressure off. Um, we were not like that. And he talked about it on your podcast. You know, we have a very special relationship. And in my case, I lost a spouse. I lost a lover. I lost, as cliche as it is, my absolute best friend in this world. I also lost my business partner and my co-parent and my workout partner. I lost my coach. He was my coach every day at 1130. Um, so there were all of these different elements where very few people, I think, have their lives as intertwined as Jeff and I I did and do. And um, yeah, so it was a lot. It was a radical shift. I left my job at the radio station because I did morning shows. So, you know, you're getting up at, uh, before childcare exists, right? Yeah, like it's right. before those hours are available. And so um, literally every part of my life has changed in the last seven months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally like no stone unturned as far as changing something. I mean, morning routines, I Jeff walked through his, his morning routine and taking care of the boys and what that looked like and how involved he was in their life. And I was one of the first things that kind of hit my head is like, Oh my gosh, they had this system so dialed in and now it's just mm -hmm. completely erupted into something totally different. So you had to resign from, or from the radio work mm -hmm. and now you're it just your right now, it, you know, I can't. Yeah, that's not true. I could, if I wanted to make that work and I wanted to make that a priority, I could have done that. I made a choice. I'm not a victim of Jeff's death. Um, I made a choice based off of my new situation. What would be best for me, my family, my community. And, you know, Jeff, and, and certainly I think we can, talk about this in, in like very directly in regards to this podcast episode, Jeff left this huge legacy as a community member, as a contributor to the world. And, you know, I think that's special and I think that's its own thing. And I think that to build a legacy, you have to start at home mm -hmm. because you could do amazing work out in the world but if you don't have that home legacy dialed in, it will tarnish whatever you do in this world. It just will. And we can probably think of examples of that. You know, people that maybe did amazing scientific discoveries, but then you find out about these things about their personal life and it tarnishes that legacy. And um, so part of Jeff's legacy is, is like all of these people he was touching every day. And it did not have to be my responsibility. Again, I want to be really clear. I am not a victim in Jeff's death. I get to choose how we're going to 
continue to move forward. I get to make choices. And one of the choices I wanted to make was to be there for my community members. And it was important to me because I could have closed the gym. I didn't have to keep it open. I didn't have to become the like now (laughs) all encompassing owner. Um, But it was important to me. And it's been a part of my legacy in this too. Um, And and in regards to Amor Fate, it's funny. I, at first I thought just for a brief moment, I had this thought of like, man, this is Jeff's fate. How unfair (laughs) you know that, that his fate is now also mine. And it's also the boys. And then I realized what, you know what? We don't know how fate works. What if it's actually that this is my fate. And actually, how unfair to Jeff. He really got the short end of the stick, you know? (laughs) Right, right. You can totally think about this however you want. And we'll never know all the answers until we do, right? Right. Um, But to me, this legacy piece, um, Jeff also was has now made way for others to either carry it on or make their own that he was so big if he was still here. it, yeah. he would have overshadowed others. And now a, a path has been made for others too. Wow. That's a, that's a beautiful way to look at it. It's a very positive way, way to look at it. Um, so let's just dive in because I know you have something you, you talked with me and you, you kind of shared something that you wanted to share and talk about. And um, I, <laughs> I read it and I'm like, man, these words are powerful, but I'm sure they don't even do it justice. So I think it's really important when people hear, you know, how you leave a legacy, first of all, go back and listen to those podcasts. So you understand what Jeff was doing, but there's so much more It's so deep. So what are some of the things and what do you want to share with the, with the listeners? Yeah. So reflecting on, Ooh, Jeff Giosi's legacy, like, man, how, how long is this podcast? Yeah. Um, but Again, that being a husband, being a father, the family side is where Jeff started. And I think one of the first things he did is he put out there what mattered most to him. And you only had to know him for 10 seconds. You know, he talked about it on your podcast. I think he probably talked about it to anybody ever. Yep. Number one was God. Number two was me. And number three was the kids. Number four was everything else. <laughs> um, and, and to the point you guys even discussed, if I recall, forgive me, I should have actually gone back. Um, you guys discussed it at length to some degree, really his wife before kids. And does she feel that way? And I remember that. Well, it's um, so important. I, you know, like for me, exactly the same value ladder. And that's probably why Jeff, like when I heard him say his things, I was like, whoa, you know, God, then my wife, it's not God and my family. And I think that's the reason it's so profound to me is because it's so aligned with what we really should be doing. We, we chose our wife first. Uh, we had our kids because of our wife. And so that, that alignment is so amazing. So I love it. And and he was really clear with it and he put it out there. I actually, um, so I did not find this until after the memorial and I forgot about it. But in 2016, we did this activity on New Year's Day with our friends. And I posted it on my Instagram page where Jeff went rogue. Jeff always went rogue. (laughs) We were supposed to write down this sort of visioneering for the future. Um, And he ended up writing his own obituary. And I won't read it to you now, but what's wild is, Finding that after the memorial, it was really crazy how 
similar it was to the things people said about him. And I was like, oh, you did it, man. <laughs> Good job. Wow. Um, but one of the things we had to do is we had to write down, you know, a list of one, two, three, three things that make up your why. And Jeff's were number one, serve others using my God-given talents to serve him. Mm. Number two, Sarah and my family. We didn't have kids yet. And then number three, he left blank. And when asked why, he said, I, I covered everything. <laughs> I don't need anything else. <laughs> oh, so, that's awesome. I love it. He was a handful too, guys. Like I always think that's important. And I'll talk about that at the very end, but like he was a handful too. Um, but yeah, so he always put out there, he always said out loud because we're believers that what you think becomes what you feel and what you feel becomes those actions, right? And so he he changed his actions. He said the things that mattered and it was really clear to everybody. And I think that's a part of that legacy. I think it's special. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats. But we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy, ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that allow, will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me, this product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for per personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link. Uh, and it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy, but go into the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business. Send it to your boss. Send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way. Um, another thing, and here's, here's something, especially for a male-dominated podcast that I wanted to mention Jeff took care of self. And I, this is why I say this is good for a male dominated podcast. I hear this a lot in female circles. I see this a lot on female blogs or, you know, Instagram or all these things like women are talking about self-care all the time. Right. And I do some life coaching member one-on-one -on -one things. And it's funny because I'll, I'll talk to the men and I'll talk to them about their self-care habits. And they're like, well, that's for women. You know, it, it has this sort of feminine connotation to it. 
man, could that not be more wrong, right? <laughs> like, right. Right. Self-care. And I think that to build a legacy, to be able to pour into others, it's that, you know, again, it's the cliche. You have to first fill your cup so that you can pour into others. And I think Jeff did that really well. And, and he did that. Um, and I believe Sean talked about this for a moment on your podcast with him. I believe in five buckets, spirituality, yep. mental, emotional, physical, and social. And Jeff did a good job of filling his buckets. And he took care of himself. He made sure he was well. You can't take care of the world if you're sick. He made sure he was well. He worked on self-development. You know, he read two books a month. Mm -hmm. He did things to grow. He had a growth mindset. And something that, you know, I think it's going to sound like I'm sucking up to you here, but a, a little bit of a kudos to you even. He made sure he evaluated what made him happy. And he was unwilling to work in a job that didn't or to, you know, he had the bravery to make shifts when that season came or when he needed to. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's all self-care. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just bubble baths and manis and petties, guys. <laughs> like That's all self-care. I think that's really, really important. It's something that we talk about a lot in the group is we really like, what are you doing for you? But it's not... <sighs> not the, the, the real selfish, like all day gone every day, you know, weekend, that kind of thing and overworking. It's, it's really the refocusing on staying healthy and, um, career, like you, you nailed on the head. So many people won't talk about it. If you're unhappy doing something or it's starting to go down that path, change, <laughs> like just embrace it and move on. So I love it. And I love that about him. I mean, he was definitely a guy to run into challenges, which I loved. Yeah. And to adapt and, yeah. you know, change and making a change does not mean you have failed. Or even if you have, if you grow from it, who cares? Right. <laughs> you know. Exactly. But it doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean you've given up. It's okay. And, and it's actually a beautiful thing. If you have not changed through this journey of life, like there are some, some problems there that needs some reevaluation. Right? right. So I think that's one of the things him, him taking care of himself allowed him to build that legacy. Um, also something that selfishly has been so helpful. Now we established our family values together. And so now as I find myself in this position in life, where I went from having a highly communicative, we, we talked about everything. And we'll talk about that with communication because that's obviously one of the things here. Um, but we talked about stuff that people would not even think to talk about. You know, we talked about everything. Mm -hmm. And to have that just gone, whenever it comes to now, holy moly, the amount of decisions I've had to make and co- parenting being gone and being a solo parent now and feeling it, it could feel very heavy. Yeah. But it doesn't feel as heavy for me as it could because together with Jeff, we created our family values. And now I know, and I have peace that whatever decisions I make, if and when done through the lens of these family values, this foundation that we said, this is our marker, this is what's important. If it fits and aligns with those, I've got peace, I've got blessing, you know? And man, what a gift that we took the time to do that 
because that has been a huge burden lifted for me on already. The last seven months have been nothing but decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if people quite understand this. When you have a business, having values allows you to make every decision. You look at your values. Does this fit the values? Yes or no. Why would you do that in your business if you're not going to do it in your family? Mm-hmm. And because, you know, making decisions together as a spouse uh, with my spouse, with my wife, who are, I would say our relationship is very similar to what yours was very similar. Every nothing's, nothing's hidden. Everything. We talk about everything. We've been best friends for 30 years. <laughs> it's going to age myself, but uh, the, the ability to have family values where you decide it takes away decision fatigue. So I'm sure that's been really beneficial for you. Yeah, it has. It's huge. And, and yeah, I always joked, I'm the CEO of the house. <laughs> you know, we, I, I actually, I, I'm always sort of blown away that people don't apply a lot of the like business management to how you run the home because it's a business in its own way, you know, and, and we should be looking at it that way sometimes. But these family values, it, it's also just that it's values. And it's also you pinpointing these are the things that we feel are the most important to be highlighting to our children. And it's funny, I've got a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and they know them. They, they have them memorized and they can tell me, I can in a drop of a hat say, what are our family values? And they will tell you. And they are, don't be a butthole. <laughs> do, be a bu- do be a helper. Do hard things hard and live with gratitude. Mm, those are good. And that's it. And we narrowed it down to four. And we had talked about, you know, honesty being one is like, but that falls under, don't be a butthole. If you're lying, you're a butthole. (laughs) Like, you know, so, so there's a lot of things that can kind of fall. And we even had that bullet pointed out. What, what did we mean by that? We defined it. And that has been so helpful in how we do things. It's been helpful. You know, I don't want to take up all the time with this, but the day after, Telling your two-year-old and your three-year-old at the time, a one-year-old and a three-year-old that their dad died, that's a hard thing. And you got to do it hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the thing about, I don't know if you, cause, cause your kids are a little bit older now, but the problem with that age is they're also, it's like, I had to tell them a hundred times Yeah, and it never know. got easier. <laughs> yeah. um, and there are still days where my two-year-old will walk around the house and going, daddy, where are you? And I have to remind him because he was such an active player in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so we do hard things hard though. And there were a lot of things that it would have been, I could have made easier choices, but darn it, GOCs do hard things hard. And the day after he died, I, gratitude felt really hard. Mm-hmm. And it would have been the really easy choice because we do this thing every night where we take some time to breathe in the things that we loved about our day. And it would have been really easy to say there is nothing that one can breathe in in a world without Jeff. And that just wasn't true. And so we did it and we did the hard thing hard and we lived with gratitude. And it has now, I can't imagine if we didn't have that as a part still of our routine. So. Anyways, those family values, the point is, if you're trying to build a legacy, do it. And don't let this be one of those things where you're like, oh, I'll get to that. Had Jeff said, oh, we'll get to that, we wouldn't have, you know? And so do it. Yeah, that's one thing I've been amazed about reflecting over the last, I don't know, six, seven months, whatever it has been, um, which I've done frequently, was the sheer volume 
of preparation that occurred for, for Jeff up into his 40th year. The sheer volume of conversations that were had and um, intentional actions that were taken with you and alone, with his friends, with his boys, like, it, I, it just blows me away. And it, I think it's, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's something to shoot for because I think many men, most men are falling short. He was just very good at, at intentionality in those things. Oh yeah. Really good. Obviously you were too. You're part of this team. So it's really cool. Yes. Luckily we, we complimented each other in that really well. And we were okay with being nerds or like doing the thing that other people would think was, was lame or stupid. Like, nah, we'll do that. We're going to sit down and do that. Of course we are. So, um, yeah. All right. So, so my next one is this thought of, for Jeff to build his legacy, um, specifically legacy as a husband, but I think this plays into father and everything else, fulfilling his marriage covenant. And I don't say, certainly we had vows, certainly we had a promise, certainly we have a marriage, but we, we don't. There is a huge difference between a marriage and a covenant. And we live a covenant. A marriage you can throw away. You are speaking my language. Oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> a marriage you can throw away, and we see it too often. A yeah. covenant, that's forever. Can't be broken. It can't be. And so there's a couple things in particular I, I'd love to mention about this that I, I want to say I, I think a lot of people probably take for granted or don't think about. And so from the perspective, because correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have a lot of women on here, right? This is... No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're in a very small win- window of women guests, maybe one. Okay. From the perspective <laughs> of a woman, and I think this is um, really important, and, and I don't want to get uncomfortable in regards to talking about sex, but I think this is important because so much we talk about marriage and we make sex a separate thing because it's an uncomfortable topic. And that to me doesn't make sense because it is a part of that relationship. And and I bring this up because part of the covenant with Jeff, and here's something a lot of people don't know about him. So you're about to like get some of the insider scoop. And honestly, a lot of people would think he was really weird if they did know this. Mm -hmm. Jeff, if there was from the time, I, I can't speak to him before me, but from the time we were together on, if there was a naked woman on the television, he closed his eyes. I remember being in New York City and they had this, um, it was a Victoria's Secret like show thing happening on a huge billboard digital. So it was video. And I remember him, other men were catcalling and this, you know, doing all that kind of stuff on the street. He was like laser focused, did not look up at it to the point, honestly, early on, I asked him like, is there something I should know about? Is there a history with pornography? Is there something I should know? Um, And he so beautifully and eloquently said, no, of course not. I don't want to disrespect you and men are visual. I don't want to, even if it doesn't pop up regularly, I don't want filed in that Rolodex in my mind anywhere, this image that could pop up when I'm with you ever. And let me tell you men, (laughs) knowing that the trust that I had with him, and this isn't something he just did in front of me. Another example is I hear all the time 
men. And, you know, most people would call this harmless or innocent and, and maybe it very well is, but comments made about other women, like, Oh, she looks good. And sometimes it's women out of reach. Like, like Jennifer Aniston comes on TV and you hear the like, okay, she's looking good. Um, Jeff never did any of that. And it wasn't just in front of me. It was period. If you pulled a hundred men, he never did this behind my back with other men. He kept that sacred. And so my trust with him and I don't care how confident of a woman you are. If you hear your intimate partner make a comment about another woman's body, even if you can play along with it, even if you can make the comments, it gets filed away. Because of that, I would say, and again, I'm not trying to make people uncomfortable, but sex is a part of marriage. I don't care. Our our sex life was incredible. And you know why? Because I felt beautiful with him. Mm -hmm. I felt comfortable with him. Me taking off my clothes post baby. Oh my God. Right. Like, like my body went through changes, my body, but I didn't feel like he would be comparing my body to a Victoria's secret model. Mm -hmm. He was looking at me and I think, and, and don't get me wrong. You know, if a woman is listening to this, We have to take ownership too. I think a lot of times women make choices to live as roommates, not as, as married partners. Um, And I think that's a really bad choice, but I also think there is a role men can play to help them feel beautiful and comfortable. And Jeff did it. And you know what? It just was about respect. So. Well, I'm so happy you're saying this. I've said very, very similar things. Um, and I think it's more powerful coming from a woman who, you know, have, has been through what you've been through and had the relationship you had one. It's, it's very hard to, to explain a covenant, but it's different than a contract. So many people are living in a contractual marriage where it's just like, Hey, this contract can end. And that kind of goes to the next thing about looking at women. This is something that, um, I'd like to say I do as well. Uh, I kind of don't like saying it about myself. I'd rather someone else say it about me, but I'd rather, you know, we, life is full of these doors and those doors are opportunities. And I mean, if there is a door and behind it is an opportunity to have a new image of another woman in your head or uh, a relationship with a work wife or, you know, a texting relationship with someone from the gym or whatever those, those are all doors. And I'm telling you, once that door is opened or entertained, it's really hard to shut it again. It is incredibly hard to shut it again. That's why I personally am very adamant, outspoken about sex and pornography. I will talk about it. I could, I could, we could have talked about it for an hour. My wife might have been uncomfortable, but honestly, I think the, the top, it has to be talked about. It's something that is um, incredibly important. And your, your sex life, literally your fulfillment, I think hinges a hundred percent on that complete trust and that complete, like the way you, I can't explain it better than you explained it. And I just guess I should say, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, and it, I, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I think that's the place where we, you know, can get hung up as we feel like if it's someone on the other end is listening or watching pornography or really like, likes it or they enjoys it with their wife or whatever, like that's your personal choice. Uh, at this point, there is enough 
psychology, behavioral science, and brain mapping to show that it is absolutely 100% destructive in so many ways. So I'm just going to leave that little nugget out there. And, uh, and yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm not trying to be judgy of men that do that. And honestly, again, a lot of times it is this, like, the reason I bring it up is that I, it is done so innocently sometimes that I don't think, you know, like a little comment about a woman or that I don't think men even could realize always how hurtful it could be, even if that woman never lets you know, <laughs> there is a subconscious thing that happens and it could impact your sex life. And nobody wants that, right? <laughs> so. No, like, like I think honestly, between married married couples, like you should be doing everything possible to have a phenomenal sex life. <laughs> I, I I just absolutely want to vomit when someone says that they have their one person they have a pass with, you know, and it's it's like a that's a big door, that's a that's a garage door you're leaving open because it doesn't stop there. So that you know, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> um, and and so the the final thing, kind of on that too. Jeff also, I, I sort of joked with him. He had this almost um, juvenile romance about him. And this is why I bring this up. But but he would want to, you know, hold hands in public or he had this rule that anytime you got off the phone, you said, I love you. And yeah. I remember being in the grocery store one time and it was my turn. I was like, OK, I got to go. I got to go. Bye. And he called me back and he was like, ah, bah, bah, bah. You did not say I love you. And I thought that was so silly, you know, um, but I played along and I did it. And every day before I left, I said, I love you, vice versa. Well, let me tell you now, his last words to me, he left the house that morning to go work out. And he said to me, I love you so much and kissed me on my forehead and walked out the door because I was still in bed. And it doesn't feel silly anymore. No. And so I say that to people because I have this very interesting sort of hindsight point of view now. I actually, we always joked, Jeff joked, in our relationship, I was more of the dude sometimes. Um, he, was, he was the one that was more likely to be romantic. He remembered all the dates. Yep. Um, you know, he could tell me, oh, well, this was the date of our first kiss. And I was like, would you remember that? You know, he remembered everything. Not me. That's just not... Um, and so in that way, perhaps I actually relate more <laughs> to some of your listeners that I kind of always just, I went along with it cause it mattered to him, but it didn't feel that important to me. But now whew, I am so grateful he had that rule and it's so special mm, for sure. And the final thing about this fulfillment of marriage covenant that I think is so special is, and, and unfortunately they won't get to see it, you know, directly hands-on, but this being something your kids get to see if you have children in regards to building the legacy as a father is very special. If you have girls, this shows, think about that. How do you want her treated? Right. This shows her what her expectations should be. And if you have boys, this shows them how to do it right. How to respect women, how to respect women's bodies. And far beyond the like, no means no. This is how to truly look at it as this very special divine thing. So there you go. Fulfillment of the marriage covenant. I told you I have to be careful. I'll talk too long. I'm taking um, notes. Like, uh, I mean, this is, it's, it's ridiculously awesome. So keep going. <laughs> okay, good. Um, the next one is, and this one's special to me. The next one is being a protector or a hero. 
And, and don't misunderstand this, you know, I, what's the term toxic masculinity <laughs> that yes. people talk about or um, being misogynistic or uh, that is not what I'm talking about. I obviously think that there is a line and, and women can defend themselves and, but being a protector in the home, being a hero in the home, not just for things that go bump in the night, but letting that family know you have their back. Um, my mom actually has this story about me. It, my third grade teacher told her, you will never have to worry about Sarah being pushed around. Like I've never needed a protector per se. However, I had Jeff and he was my hero because no matter what, that man had my back and he was my protector. And to the point, even in parenting, he had my back. If there was a choice I made uh, and he didn't fully agree with it, he backed me up until we went upstairs and he was like, eh, you might have overreacted that time, you know, <laughs> but right. in front of the kids, we were united. Hmm. He was my hero. If I made a business decision that maybe he didn't totally agree with, the members never knew that. He had my back. And I don't know. I just think that is so special. And so often we work against each other or we more publicly don't have each other's backs. The, the complaining about the spouse, the, and that was just not Jeff's way. And I think that is a piece of his legacy. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. So then obviously Jeff was an amazing communicator. <laughs> And in particular, a couple of things come up for that with me. One, we talked about talking about everything. And, and he was so good, too. Um, I think it's so easy sometimes. You're tired. You come home to say, how was your day? Oh, fine. That did not fly in the GRC house. He wanted to know nitty-gritty details of the day. And what was cool about that is that I could have said, you know, oh, it was exactly like yesterday, you know? But then as you start talking, you go, oh, except this happened and this happened. And he actually had this way of helping me realize, wow, we have a really interesting life. Things that I would have never thought were special, things that feel mundane. It feels like the same day just by communicating and talking and getting it out of me or me getting it out of him. We were able to, to realize how exceptional our lives are. Um. So, yeah. So I think that's a piece of it. I think respecting point of view is a piece of it. Um, we are not just because we were on the same page about most things doesn't mean we agreed on everything. And it doesn't mean we always got there the same way. Yeah. And Jeff was really good at communicating to me in moments where we were not getting there the same way. He was really good at saying, I need to take time to process this and I'll get back to you. And a hundred percent of the time he did get back to me. <laughs> um, I'm an external processor in case you can't tell. <laughs> I'll just talk, talk, talk. Jeff needed to let that sort of percolate. Yeah. And um, that to me is so wise. He was a very good listener, which is we so often think about communication as the part where we're giving the communication, but so much of communication is the part where you're receiving. And um, with that, and I talked about us being nerdy, but Jeff did his homework and communication, I think, is a part of that. So we knew each other's personality types. 
and I think Enneagram, if you haven't done Enneagram with your spouse and your children, if they're at an age where that makes sense, do it. It is such a beautiful compassion building exercise because now you can look at somebody and go, oh, this isn't a personal attack on me (laughs) that you refuse to take the trash out or whatever. You know, it can even be little things. This is just that your brain works very differently than mine and you can become so much more compassionate. And so doing that homework, getting to know, he got to know me. He knew the things I liked and disliked. He got to know my kids. We talked. Love languages. Man, what an eye opener, right? Like huge. So doing the homework, getting to know the person, talking about it, again, communicating about the uncomfortable things. And it's not just sex. It's also, you're, if you're in this life journey together, there's a lot of uncomfortable things that can come up. Changes to your body, changes to your mindset, babies. And what happens throughout that whole process and afterwards and then nursing and all, you know, like there's all of these things. Talk about it all. Um, and document it. And this is now, guys, go back and listen to that podcast that uh, Jeff did here with Scott because he talked a lot about the documentation. Yeah. And we are so fortunate. We have so much documented. Just, oh, I don't know if there was a, a better documented human being. <laughs> um. <laughs> The only note, and this will break your heart, but I'll I'll tell you my hope on this. So the only note I'll tell people is if you do all this time to document that legacy work, make sure the people in your life know where you have put it. (laughs) I wondered about that. Like it it is because there's, uh, it's just another step of the preparation, right? Like just knowing where it is. Yeah. So, and there's all sorts of things when someone dies. You don't know the business of death until it happens. And ours was a little different. We weren't, you know, ninety, and and so there was a lot. There's there's a lot to that. Um, but <laughs> I know somewhere he has an external hard drive, and I haven't found it yet. And I'm hoping it's all in there. And here's what I keep telling myself: I will find it in exactly the moment I need it, or exactly the moment the boys need it. Um, it's there. I know it's there. I know it exists. So I will find it when I need to. But even then, until then, we have so much to the point, just a little thing. I I didn't even plan to tell you this, but Jeff, every single day wrote me this tiny little note, could be two sentences on a little dry erase board and put it by the coffee pot. Hmm. And what I didn't know, because honestly, (laughs) um, Well, what I didn't know is that every day he was taking a picture of each one and he had it bound into a book. And so now after he died, one of my first thoughts was, this is something I'm going to, every day he wrote me a note and I'll never have that again. But you know what? There's a year's worth. I can go back through every single day and still have that every day. Like who does that? it's like extreme intentionality literally jeff did things extreme and you've kind of shared that and i think men and and married couples and parents fathers mothers you almost have to be an extremist when it comes to intentionality and and i i love it i think it's phenomenal it's it's amazing and it is 
such a blessing. And the boys can see notes that he wrote me every day for a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's really special. So anyways, documentation. And he talked about that and uh, listen to his words on it. He did it way better than I ever could, but know that he followed through with that. And I think that is, it's because of that, that is a piece of the legacy. Um, Something else I want to mention, not like anybody could just kind of be there. (laughs) Jeff made it clear he wasn't just there. He loved it. And the word he used all the time was obsessed. (laughs) And this is a negative word in general, right? Like obsession is not good. But to have your husband look at you and say, I'm obsessed with you. To be a son and have your dad, he was so jovial. And to have him look at you and go, I'm obsessed with you was this like amazing thing. Mm -hmm. Jeff made it known. He didn't, he wasn't just a dad. He loved being a dad and laughter and bringing the joy to it. um, Not taking things too seriously. Like that to me is all a piece of that legacy. He brought the joy to it because I think a lot of times it's a responsibility and we don't look at it as a joy. He, if anything, he never looked at it as a responsibility. He had the opposite problem. Um, never. <laughs> it was always a joy. So, <laughs> um, I don't think we could talk about legacy without talking about integrity. And to me, integrity is this mix of consistency and authenticity. And so, How that to me equals integrity is that what he did behind closed doors fully matched what he did in front of other people. He wasn't just putting on a show for people. That was authentic and it was consistent. He didn't spend his energy with the members and then come home and give us the second best and the leftovers. He was consistent. He was authentic and it created this integrity. How he lived his life is how he lived his life point blank. It didn't matter if a thousand people were watching him or he was all alone. It was Jeff. And, and honestly, like my personality type, I, I filter better than Jeff did (laughs) (laughs) because of that. Um, but there is such beauty and rawness and authenticity. And I think that's what attracted people to Jeff. You didn't always like what he said, but he was consistent and he was authentic. Um, and there was just a lot of integrity to that. So that's the formula I've sort of created for the boys. When you mix consistency with authenticity, you get this integrity and man, you want to talk about building a legacy. I, I don't know how you could do that without integrity. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a real struggle for a lot of men is the, uh, both of those consistency and then authenticity. We have so much pressure to be who we think other people want us to be. I think women enjoy it, endure that as well. I think they're on different levels. And I think you mentioned it earlier, something that's overlooked in men, you know, the, the, uh, the taking care of yourself. It's the same thing with authenticity is we feel like we have to fit a certain role, a certain, aspect. I went on a men's, uh, a trip with four other men this weekend and it was, it was a mastermind trip, but there were a lot of times when I would, I would stop and think, I just 
that's not me or, you know, I could, I could play along and do along. It's not that what they were doing was wrong. It's just not me. And that's how always how I've lived. I've just been like, eh, whatever. I'll just sit here and watch or, or I'll go do my own thing. And it's really, really difficult to do because you feel like an outsider. But I think that is, um, a real, a, a real gap in many men's lives. And it was very awkward. It's very awkward for me. It feels very, very bad to be different than other people, but knowing Jeff for five minutes, you're very aware that he was very comfortable being different and yep. not hiding it. Yeah. He was unapologetically <laughs> himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just like, yeah, that's the best way I can put that. I mean, yeah. he was him now again to, to give self-compassion a little bit, different personality types are different. Jeff was also not, um, I, I do think he kept peace, but he was also not a peacekeeper. Um, he was not, you know, an achiever. He was this adventurist. And so it didn't matter to him what people thought, you know, like it, it, he wasn't going to let you impact his adventure. And so we have to have self-compassion too, and know that for some people, certain things will come easier than others. Some of these things just were innate to Jeff's nature, other things weren't, and he worked hard on it. He developed it. And um, I think finding that balance, and again, it goes to, back to that homework. That homework should also be on yourself and knowing, okay, here are the things that come really naturally. And then here are the areas where I need to develop. And I can tell you, we had a, a darn near perfect marriage. I hate to say that, because it, it, I, but we did. But there, were, there was a specifically a period of time when we first moved into our first home after we got married, where we had some new things to learn about each other. And it was rockier. And you know what? He did so much self-development and he did so much just looking at, okay, why is this not working? What is broken? What is not? And, and he worked on it. And he found those things. And together we worked on it because trust me, I had a lot that I needed to fix too or or adapt for cohabitation, you know? And so <laughs> we, we found those things. Um, all right. So now the next one I wanted to talk about, and this is kind of what you were, um, I think alluding to a little bit at the very beginning, cause I mentioned this to you is celebration and, um, building in celebration and building in rites of passage. And in particular, I want to talk about this for the sake of, of brotherhood for a second. Um, Jeff cared a lot about the brotherhood and he cared a lot, especially after we found out that uh, we, we were having a boy, which we didn't find out till he was born, by the way. Um, we did not find out the gender of our children. And then we had boys and Jeff wanted to be the best boy dad he could. And he read the book boy crisis. Are you familiar with that book? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this was part of his inspiration. Anyway. Um, he had also, before we even were pregnant or anything, he had watched this documentary and it showed these tribal boys who at age eight were sent out into the wilderness. And it's very gruesome, actually. And, and forgive me for not remembering the, the tribe, but, um, you know, they had to, these boys were passing out from blood loss and stuff because they were putting stakes through them and, and all of these things were happening. And it's so funny because we hadn't even had children yet. <laughs> and Jeff informed me. If we have a boy, when he turns eight, I'm going to send him out into the wilderness and he has to find his way back. Wow. Here's the thing about Jeff. Like other people are like, ha ha ha. I know Jeff. And I was like, oh no, you're serious. <laughs> <This is> real. <laughs> I know you too well. Um, so then once we had boys, he, he worked with me and developed that a little bit, but 
Jeff has a firefighting background and challenge coins for people that have been in military or first responders or challenge coins um, are, are a common thing. And, and so you can look that up if you don't know what they are. But Jeff, for our wedding, um, received from his firefighting companion um, a number of these challenge coins. And they have First Peter 2.17 on it. So that is honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And they also had our wedding date. And so when boys, so, so the, the groomsmen all received one of these and now their sons, when they turn eight, and that's how that kind of mark off happens. If you received one, then your son receives one. When they turn eight, they receive one. Hmm. And it's this tiny little built-in rite of passage, but it's so cool and it's so important. And I think, you know, my, my pep talk to men here is I think we are at a time in our society. And maybe I think about this as a boy mom more, man, men get a bad rap. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like you can't win sometimes. And, and I'm, I'm very empathetic about that again, because I'm a boy mom and, and not all of it is not un unjust. Um, but some of it is. And I think that there's also, we've had role changes in the family. We have had changes to our structure as a society. And it's very difficult now to define exactly what, what is that role? And it's hard sometimes to not know what your role is and to define it for yourself, especially if it's been defined your whole life, you know? Um, so I say all that because I think for women, there is a, a very natural thing that takes place where it's like you went from being a girl to being a woman. And then it happens every month after and like your body, it's very visual and you feel it. And I think that's harder for men. And I, it used to be, you know, I looked up stats a while ago, um, 50 years ago, by 22, you were married and had kids. <laughs> yeah. And now that has just, we're, we just keep extending that, you know, 26, you're still on your parents' health insurance. The, the data 30. here. Yeah, the data here is insane. Like if you look back uh, 50 or 60 years, and I don't know the stats specifically, I've gone through them very vividly. Girls used to start their period at 10 years old, like the average age was 10, and then it became 11, then 12, then 13. Same thing with boys. Like all these things have completely moved on and you're living with your parents until you're 30. You're not married until you're 35. Everything continually goes later and later. It's insane. And so what I think it makes things a little ambiguous, like when, yes. when are you a man? Is it when you get your first car? Is it, is it when you get married? Is it when you, like, like, when do you become a man? You know, and, and some religious groups are, you know, I think of bar mitzvahs, right? Like, like that helps do that. Right. Or um, even in Catholicism, it may not be so much a, a rite of passage for like boyhood to manhood, but we see different traditions and ceremonies with baptisms and but as a whole, in our society, we just don't really have these, these rites of passages in the same way. And it was important to Jeff to create that. And what a special thing. Now, I will not participate, by the way. I've been invited to, and I will not do it. This is boys to men. Mm -hmm. um, not to be confused with the 90s. <laughs> Boy band, which is also fantastic. Um, but this is truly, you know... 
I provide, cause I have them. I have all the coins. I provide the coin and I write a little letter that's from the GOCs. And actually it's cool. Cause now my boys help me put the letter in the envelope and we, we do like the wax seal and stuff. Cause they get yeah, to be cool. a part of it. Yeah. And what's cool is now a couple of the boys who have already turned eight get to participate and giving it to the other boys. Hmm. And they're a part of it. So, so it's this torch you're adding to it because boys need purpose. They need to feel they are a part of something bigger than themselves. Girls do too. Do not get me wrong. But again, just talking about Jeff's rite of passage for boys and, you know, they need to feel, and we have the statistics and this goes back to that book, boy crisis, lack of purpose can very directly begin to relate to some of the statistics around incarceration or um, violent crime, different things. It is important. Yeah. So in general, though, that whether it be a rite of passage being created or just finding ways to celebrate, that's a part of legacy. If you're going through life and you're doing these things, but you never take the time to celebrate. What was the point? So, um, okay, my final, final thing, I think this is really important to me to mention making sure part of part of Jeff's legacy was making sure people knew he was human and I'm really precious about this now because in his death and and this happens a lot when people die where we idealize them and we act like they were this like amazing person and you somehow forget about all the really crappy things they did yeah now jeff's a little bit hard because i've had a lot of people say yeah no but he was really that great like these aren't just stories being embellished and i'm like i know but we cannot idolize jeff We can look at that legacy. We can use them as examples. And I'm really precious about this with my own children, because honestly, this legacy could become this overcast and it could actually become something where Arlen or Mackie, my two sons could look at that and go, how could I ever live up to my dad? Yeah. And so it's so important to me and it's so important to friends and family who are going, yeah, but am I making them proud or it is so important to me that we do not idolize Jeff. Mm-hmm. He part of his legacy and part of why he was so spectacular is that he was a human and he made mistakes. And, and from those, he chose to have growth mindset and to learn and become better. He chose to self-develop. He chose to own it. Jeff was really good. If he made a mistake, he, he asked for forgiveness. He talked about it. He owned his human nature and to build a legacy that is sort of built on this imaginary perfectionism, I think actually takes away from the legacy itself. What makes someone a legend is that despite being human, they find ways to overcome and grow. And I just think it has to be mentioned. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, you, you may not be able to see this, but I have so many notes. <laughs> I wish I would have been a little more organized when I started because, you know, I get, I get excited about something. And I put a big circle around it and then I'm like, oh, I just took up about four notes worth of spots. So I had to write in every direction. Um, how are your boys doing? Just a few things, you know, post all these things. How, they're young, resilient, malleable. How, how are things going? 
Good. You know, um, I think one of the challenges I will have with the age that they are is that we will be reliving this with each new brain development. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm prepared for that mentally. And honestly, in some ways, I find some peace in that because in each development, um, we get to do this again. And, and I know that sounds crazy. And um, who I did. It, and you mentioned that Jeff and I have a podcast. I have kept it going. Yeah. Um, and this week I talked about the difference between being alone and, and being lonely. And, um, you know, in our society, we, we do, gosh, especially a woman. And I became a widow at 33. Um, it is just the assumption that I will get married. I can't tell you already how many people are like, so, so are you going to start dating? And I'm like, are you nuts? Yeah. And this goes back to, um, the covenant of, this was me, not Jeff. When we got married, we wrote our own vows, but we actually at the very end did some traditional things. And um, I told him, I am uncomfortable with this saying till death do us part. And you know what? I didn't even have to explain it to him. And he went, absolutely. Let's take it out. Because we agreed that, that death doesn't part our covenant. And um, that's really hard for people. And a lot of people are like, never say never. And, all, and that's fine. I'll be open-minded, but the fact is, um, it's very special to me that the boys, as, as they grow older, we can together remember him and, and we can keep bringing him up. So something that some people would think I'm a little cuckoo and it's one of those where I just don't care. Um, Jeff's, so Jeff was cremated and I have kept his remains. Now here's the deal about Jeff. Jeff is not the kind of person you put on a shelf. Right. Like he is not <laughs> no. an ornament to be put up on a shelf. So he is in, we call it the daddy box um, because it's pieces of daddy. Cause I explained to the boys, daddy has gone, but he left pieces of himself, his human body for us. Mm -hmm. And that piece is a daddy box. <laughs> Let me tell you um, when he is at rest, he lays on the bed because that's exactly where Jeff would want to be at rest. Um, and, but, you know, we took our first family vacation cause you got to remember my kids are COVID babies. Um, we took our first family vacation this year and daddy box went with us. They went to their first baseball game this year. Daddy box was there. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. I had to get special permission. Whoo. Don't try to take, you know, large amounts of powder anyway. <laughs> so, you know, there's the challenges of that, but on one hand, it is a very physical transitional piece for that age, which is really good. But on the other hand, like he's still with us all the time. And I think a lot of times people feel that way. You can feel like, oh, mentally, emotionally, they're still with me. But I, I took it a step further. Like he's actually going places with us. He's riding in the front seat of the car. <laughs> um, and it's special. And he's a part of our daily gratitude every day still. Mm. And I think those things help. I have not for a second tried to not talk about Jeff with the boys. And um, there are times it's e it would be easier not to. Mm -hmm. And there are also, boy, you think you have questions about life and death and this has opened up a whole new, you should see my like Bible journaling nowadays. Um, so many questions, but kids 
Ooh, they bring up some good ones. They also have this really beautiful way of simplifying. That's actually like, I can learn a lot from them in this where it is just a very, it is a much simpler process for them. Um, with that said, there is still confusion for a while. I, I told them, you know, daddy was with Jesus. Well, this was right after Christmas he died. So they thought he was literally in the attic with the nativity set. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's funny, but it's, you know, it was also very difficult because I kept, he kept saying, well, go get him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So finally I understood what the thought process was and I was able to help, you know, cause it is, it's a confusing age, yeah. very yeah. literal. Yeah. Um, but we have found our own traditions and Jeff is very much part of it. I still got him an anniversary gift. You know, I, I just, and again, some people think that's a little bit cuckoo or it's me being in denial. It's the opposite. I have fully accepted the fact that he is not present on this earth anymore. And so I have made choices to find ways to include him for the sake of my children. And, and for me, it helps to know that daddy box is there sometimes. So did that answer your question? <laughs> it, it does. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I just know that that age things are very, you know, they're not, there's not a lot of abstract involved and it's very hard to understand. And, and I knew that that was likely a pretty big challenge. I do know from just watching social media and, and also um, kind of interacting with Sean and paying attention to what's going on there, that there are a lot of people who have circled around and been in your, or at least it seems that have been very, very supportive. So that speaks a lot to Jeff's intentionality that you talk about and the people he had in his life. So I, I rest assured that those boys are going to have men in their lives that are guiding them. And then obviously Jeff lives in their lives and I sure hope you find that flash drive, but like you said, at the right time, at the right time. Yeah. No, you're right. And, and you know what? Um, not only do we have people that he helped surround us with, but in some cases he gave them very specific instructions. Oh, okay. If this happens, this is what I need from you. Mm -hmm. And man, what a cool thing for me, but also for, and, and the boys, but also for those people, because they didn't sit there and go, I wonder how can I help? I have specific instructions from Jeff, what to do. Directives. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's interesting because I, I can say I know offhand two people that in my life that have been that instructional and that prepared. Uh, and Jeff's one of them. The other one is still alive. But um, I really, really honor and respect that because it's just uh, leaving one of the greatest gifts you can. So if you don't mind, I, a friend of mine for Father's Day made this little piece of wood. And it's actually just one of Jeff's Instagram posts, his right oh, really? Um Yeah, she just, it's burned onto a piece of wood. Wow. But um since we were talking about legacy, I, I, it makes sense if you're okay with it for me to actually end my thoughts with let, let Jeff do the speaking here. Okay. Outside of being a husband to the amazing Sarah GOC, nothing on this earth gives me the amount of joy being a dad does legacy period. No one will remember or care how much you lifted or how fast you were or how much money you have or any of that. They will, however, remember how you influenced their lives, how you made them feel. That is all they will remember. The rest is dust. Be sure to leave your mark. 
Yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah, me too. A little choked up. Um, and one of my last questions that I ask every time on this podcast, I do not need to ask. And that is uh, when you are gone, and this is usually asked them in, and you look back, what do you want your legacy? What do you want to see in your kids? So you've already shared that. <laughs> yeah. So I usually pride myself in other people crying on my podcast. And now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, elephant out of the room there, because that, that was really, really awesome what he wrote. Sarah, thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for letting me continue to to share his story and his legacy. It's really special. It's a, it's an incredible gift to any man who is willing to listen. And I mean, like the list of things, action points that we that could come away with this. If they take one of them, they're going to make a massive impact on their family's life. If they can, if they can step into each one of these. And that explains the brevity of uh, the man that Jeff Giosi is. It was. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.